0: Party people, put your hands together for Andy. I'm not illin McGrillin.
1: Hi, man. You okay? <laughs> I'm doing good. How you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. Uh, enjoying that mid 19 dance tune. I've not here for a while, like. So.
0: Shit, man. Music among my many passions that I have, um, music is one of them. Uh, And and I have many. I have more things than I can do. Let's see. In the last few weeks, I had on. uh, I had you on. I had on some MMA guys. I've talked. Had an NBA person on. We had Kate Casey from reality TV. uh, And we had on a. I wanted to do for International Women's Day. I someone said you got to have on this motorcycle racer. She's thirteen years old. Wow. And she aims to be the first woman to ride MotoGP. That's cool. Right? So I met her at the track. Um, She's an expert class. I'm an intermediate class, so I don't ride on the track at the same time she's out there. But she was such a nice girl. I talked to her dad, and and he goes, yeah, yeah, have her on. She's done plenty of interviews. So, uh, So we had her on. So there's a potpourri on this podcast, so.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And I had a look through your your episodes before as well and just a bit of diverse range of names and subjects and stuff, which is is cool. Um, Just my uh, own interest in MMA is I record UFC and I watch some of the big fights. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I do quite like Conor McGregor. Yeah! Uh, Do you know what? I get brought up on like WWF and WWE, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I love my wrestling, and that guy is more wrestling than MMA because he is like he knows how to sell a pay per view or a fight, and yeah, so all the Kibib stuff I always thought was really good. And uh, my background in uh, NBA would be in 1994, roughly mm-hmm. 93. I was in a blockbuster video gaming tournament, mm-hmm. and I finished seventh. No, no, I finished just outside the top, was it outside the top five, so sixth or seventh in this local tournament. But you were meant to be sixteen or over, and I didn't realise until the last game. And it was like NBA Jam for those back in the day. So uh-huh. I always re- I only remember Scotty Pippen being a basketball player. Yeah. that's uh, that's my uh, NBA. So obviously, like uh, over in the UK, it's got bigger and bigger. So you know, like LeBron and and all those guys and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's kind of getting more popular here. But that's and the life part of it, I'm um, I'm wary on the life part. But I know a little bit about MMA and NBA.
0: Well, the, the the reason I changed it, because I have been doing historically MMA only since probably 2010, 2009, I think I started doing MMA podcasting. And I've had various co-hosts and a couple different show names, but always MMA. And I said, you know, when I started this, my co-host, Will, you've heard him on the podcast, and Nick, Will's a, a professor, a college professor in sports science. Nick is a, uh, he's in nursing school right now. He's a sociology major, a sociology graduate, but he's in nursing now. And he played in a heavy metal, played bass in a heavy metal band uh, before nursing. (laughs) So
2: um,
0: I said, you know, guys, if we're going to do this together, I want to be able to talk anything. Um, I don't care if I don't pluck that hardcore MMA audience or I'm not qualified to talk hardcore NBA, but the NBA is a soap opera. I mean, it's like it's like the Real Housewives is what it is. <laughs> but there's there's balls and there's guys that are super athletic and amazing guys and great storylines and great are, guys. Are you
1: talking about the NBA? Are you talking the about NBA. balls and the? Oh, I thought you meant those was balls and the Real Housewives. No,
0: yeah. meaning there's a, there's a, there's a ball and there's a hoop and there's guys running around. But it's the Real Housewives because there's something always going on between the guys. There's drama. There's uh, stuff that's going on. The, the NBA free agency is bigger than the season is i mean it's so uh so i love talking about the nba and i love to promote anything that promotes black culture i really like um so there's many reasons is that lou Elizondo as obama in the background yes oh that is so cool i love it so, <laughs> i so love that guy
1: <laughs> it might not be great audio but there, there's the video uh of, oh yeah
0: i love it i love it i love it that's so, lou Elizondo in like the obama hope painting is that right
1: yeah so it's got truth at the bottom and that's uh, my regular co-host dan um it's at the signal on twitter he does a lot of different kind of uap ufo artwork and mm-hmm. uh does my logo and stuff and he's redesigning my new podcast logo um but he's got a really cool series uh, of those posters on his Redbubble. so if people like that kind of stuff and interested yeah that's that's where you'll find it you can look at it so
0: i will i will do that yes i like that and i i also am a huge fan of of Lou, You know what's fascinating? And we're going to, a, in a second, like what I want to go to is your background. Mm. But um, but when I heard Lou interview Steve Justice, and I know you've heard that TTSA podcast episode, and you would think that Lou had 10 years experience as an interviewer.
1: A, in, in a way, like, the guy worked intelligence, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's done in the past, let's say, Uh, interviews that you know not the nicest type of interviews he's had to probably interrogate people (laughs) so if if, if you've if you've had to interrogate people then i'm sure like you know interviewing someone for a podcast is like that's like water off a duck's back like you know you don't have to waterboard anyone for a start which i'm sure is which i'm sure is nice but you know
0: you don't want to be in a dark room somewhere in pakistan and lou comes waltzing in uh, smoking so, a light bulb in your face, yeah, like,
1: exactly.
0: oh yeah. God. So I don't know, but he's, I, I, you know, maybe there, there, maybe it's just a corollary there. Maybe that's it. But I was very, very impressed with his interviewing skills. I really was, yeah. and he's a great orator. No matter when he's talking, one, one of the interesting things uh, about he and Obama is they're very measured in what they say. They think about what they're going to say, and they respond. And they're not like me, where they're just, you know, sort of their mouth is moving, and you know, no, that's like me, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's fascinating. I love Lou, and we're gonna get into uh, Lou a little bit. But let me let's find out uh, who you are, because I, as I was telling the audience before you came on, uh, as we're listening to reggae, I was fa- <laughs> I was fascinated to find out about you after hearing the questions you asked. So please tell me about your journey into the world of UFOs.
1: Yeah so um I, as a kid I was always interested in mysteries and you know all, all kind of weird and wonderful things around the globe um my gran probably got me into that a lot when I was really really young so I used to love hearing about the pyramids and being from Scotland um the loch ness monster which you'll know about over in the US and I just used to love all that kind of stuff that came with it and you would watch um strange but true used to be on in the uk that was all about paranormal cases and stuff like that and i don't know if you got that in the us as well and just just all those types of tv shows where it was like someone claims to been abducted by an alien and you know it was the old we've gone to backwater texas to interview (laughs) so uh (laughs) your american
0: accent is great man
1: Uh, it's, it's better than my Scottish one. Um, so yeah, so like those kind of, the hosts would interview these people and yeah, it was all no doubt a bit flaky at times, but that just got me into it from a young age. Um, had like, I, I suppose everyone wants to know, like I had like two proper sightings, like I've always had my head in the, the sky in that sense that I like, you kind know, of looking up and I'm lucky where I live, there's a lot of stars in the sky, Um, you know, lot, not a lot of light pollution where I stay in the northeast of England now. And uh, so you're always looking for stuff in there. And there's loads of satellites and things like that. But a lot of people have kind of got their heads down these days, looking at their phones rather than kind of up at the sky. So you you miss a lot of stuff. Um, Huge, you know, craft could fly over people's heads and they just wouldn't see it now because everyone's kind of looking down. Um, But when I was a little kid, um, I was leaving, like, I suppose, the equivalent of the scouts. I don't think you have this in the US, but it's called the Boys Brigade here in the UK. And essentially, it's like a scouts type group. Uh, we've yeah, got we the have scouts that. over here as well. Oh, do you cool? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was leaving the BB, and it was kind of a winter night, and I was—I must have been. I've said before, I probably get this wrong about nine or ten, so mid nineties. I'm thirty-five and Thursday, um, mm-hmm. so or potentially I'm thirty-five. We have the same. Out. We have the
0: same birthday, but anyway, go ahead.
1: Oh, amazing! Yeah, <laughs> send send gifts. Yeah, Starbucks vouchers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll do that. I'll take yeah. care of that after the show. Yes, Sc- screenshot Starbucks vouchers, people. You can do that. It's, f- it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, so uh, I was leaving with my mum and my sister and uh, a friend and his mum. And we were crossing the road and about half a mile down the road to my right-hand side. Uh, quite a, a, a suburban area, I guess people would know it as, just houses either side of a, a road, but quite a busy area and at the end of that about half a mile away there was a kind of soccer field and a school and then just more houses there wasn't a lot of open expanse but as the road kind of went along and the houses would kind of cut things off there was what looked like a ferris wheel on its side at a bit of an angle so for for you obviously it's like that dj um Mm -hmm. and it was spinning like ridiculously fast so it wasn't a ferris wheel and you know like a I'm into that kind of stuff and I was only a kid and I remember saying to my mum, "And what's that along there and they looked and my mum's a proper sceptic, like mm-hmm. she's not into this kind of stuff at all and if, even thinking back to that night, I remind her of that she will look at it and say "Like, nah, it's not aliens, you don't get aliens now, I never said it was aliens and I don't talk aliens, you know, there was something obviously hovering not far off the ground, in the distance spinning on its side, so it wasn't up in the sky it would have been pretty low in an area with thousands and thousands of people so a lot of people would have seen it.
0: Okay. So they're single level houses or are these more like row houses where there's double levels? Uh, or d- d-
1: d- double level. Mm-hmm. Um. And l- like I say, this thing got really roughly would have been maybe a hundred feet at most <sighs> off the ground. Couldn't quite see the bottom of it because That's of the houses. That's very low. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it would literally potentially be nearly touching the ground, but it wow. was like a ferris wheel at an angle and you could see like, the, the spinning, the lights were flying around. But, and at that point, you would. What would you do? But it's the mid '90s. You have no mobile phones. You have. You know. There's no. You don't have a camera on you. Mm-hmm. Who do you tell? So we just. We just went home. Didn't walk towards it. It would have taken five, six, seven minutes, and we would have got exponentially closer, obviously. Um, but we just. We just went home, and that was. That was it. Did you kinda didn't regret, stop never. the
0: car to look at it, or?
1: We weren't driving. We were walking. We just oh, literally crossed the road. Yeah, it was like. Ten minutes from my house to the the church that the BB was in, and uh, wow. we just we just walked over like that was
0: no uh, noise. That was it. Nah, Ferris wheel spinning
1: on its at an angle. A, a bit of an angle, yeah. And wow. it, it wasn't. A, and that's the thing. It wasn't a Ferris wheel. There was no, obviously there was no fair. There was no carnival. It was it was clearly something on its side spinning around. Um, all of us saw it. Um, my mum and sister remember it. Um, uh, and I've spoke to the, the boy who was with us since and he remembers it as well. But their, their memories are just kind of like, yeah, we saw something, but don't know what. But then who, who do you report it to? Who do you tell it to? Uh, so for all people might say, oh, it would have been in the news or loads of people would have talked about it. Well, there, there's five people in our group who saw it. And That's five. It. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, I had a sighting as well that uh, you may have heard if you did. Well, I'm sure you didn't hear my UFO podcast. It was a little while ago. Uh, but I decided the first time that we talked UFOs on this podcast I inexplicably told my story which for 40 years nobody's heard that story my dad didn't know that story my wife didn't know that story Uh, my mom since passed but nobody knew the story but basically um, I live in the Hudson River Valley I was totally unaware that there was a slew of UFO sightings in the Hudson River Valley during the 80s, when I was a kid. So I'm I'm gonna. So your birthday is the 18th. Yeah. Okay, mine too. So yeah. So I'm gonna turn 54 on that day. So this was probably 82. So this was right at the beginning of those sightings that Dr. J Allen Hynek and Joseph Imbrono and I can't remember the third. Uh, individual's name, might be Bob Pratt. I can't remember his name, but they wrote that book about UFOs in the Hudson Valley. Um, Ironically, I just got a text from another young lady who's in my senior class of high school, and she also saw one at that time that was a triangular shape, and I said, were you afraid to tell anybody? And she said, well, there was like a whole parking lot of people. There was like six or seven or eight people there, so I wasn't the only one that saw it. Mine, it was me and another kid And um, so I searched him out on Facebook. I found him and talked to him for the first time in 30 years, whatever it was, that was a decade ago. And one of the first things I said when we got exchanged phone numbers through Facebook and I called him is, dude, did this happen? Like, did this happen or did I imagine that this happened? And he said, no, dude, that happened. Yeah, happened. And we decided that night, we were walking to my house when it happened and I said, I'm not going to tell my parents because they're just going to not my, I know my dad well enough to know that he, he doesn't, he's not going to believe me. So I, you don't want to look like an idiot telling somebody a story that they're not going to believe anyway. And they're going to just mm-hmm. think you're a moron. So, uh, but my story real simply, I mean, it's going to take me 10 seconds to tell you, uh, we owned a ranch across the street, uh, near, almost, uh, almost right across the street from my house, a little bit offset. And, and the ranch kind of sits in a little bit of a valley, if you will,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we're walking up the hill. You kind of go up two levels. So as you were looking up in the direction we're looking, which is toward Yorktown Heights, and you know that the from Unidentified, the Yorktown Heights police officers saw that UFO, right? Yeah. So in that direction, that's the direction I'm walking to get to my house across the street. So the horizon is the top of the tree line, which are tall trees two levels up from where we are at the bottom of the valley. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were to look up, 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 the tops of those trees are your horizon. Anything that's below that, you can't see. Right. Okay. Okay. So we're, it's a Sunday night and the ranch at this, this is a dude ranch. So at this time of year... Um, the ranch is uh, once the summer's over, it's closed during the week. So Sunday night, all the staff goes home, and it's a ghost town. Yeah. So this young man was staying over my house. I was getting ready to move to Florida, I believe is how it went. And I'm actually thinking of doing hypnosis to make sure that I can get these details correct. Cool. But but we're we're uh, walking um, we're walking up the hill, and I'm not looking up. And by the way. The thing that's making me look up now is you, is listening to your podcast. So that's something that I'm incorporating now because of you. So we're just walking and talking. As I said, it's about probably 1982. And I'm not looking up, but something, some light makes me look up to the horizon above those trees. And we saw, I'm not seeing a triangle like everybody else sees. I'm seeing some sort of a craft making no noise with multicolored lights
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm just like what the fuck is that kind yeah. of thing like holy shit now I'm an aviation junkie from when I was a little boy I joined the air force uh, I spent over 20 years in the air force I was an aviator in the air force I got my pilot's license while I was in the air force so I'm an aviation nut from when I was a little kid and first went in a helicopter in an airplane.
2: So mm-hmm.
0: so I'm saying this that's not an airplane and that's not the Goodyear blimp in the middle at <laughs> night, in the middle of the night flying over Peakskill. Yeah. So so that was the extent of it. So it was traveling away from us. It probably came right overhead, but we just I I, I didn't see it overhead. So I couldn't look up and see what shape it was or anything like that by the time i saw it it was about even with the horizon and just floated away and once it passed the tops of those trees i couldn't see it anymore because we were too low in comparison to how low it was over the treetops and going the other direction yeah no no noise at all which is what freaks that's when you go that's not an airplane
1: there's a feeling isn't there that it yeah you know it when you see you don't have the rumble or uh, yeah it's not in the air that's absolutely
0: and that was it that's that's the end of it and i didn't talk about it for 30 years from when i i called him and he and i spoke of it and then i didn't talk about it again until my podcast and 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 that's like so
1: many that's that's the archetypal so many people have these stories and it's like the the typical you know if you've got a workplace and if you work in an office like like i do um there's so many people with this subject that just don't talk about it that have an interest in it and then you'll have that conversation one day that somehow it comes up with you and a co-worker or co-workers that you like ufos or you're into ufos and you get the usual oh, aliens ha 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 yep flying saucers and you're like yeah 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 cool 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 um I, I can have that chat but and then what you get is one or two people afterwards will come up to you and say you know what the ufo stuff like I, i've seen one and you go all oh, right okay and they tell you this story like like yours where they've saw a light they've saw a craft they've saw a shape they've saw something but they didn't tell anyone because they don't know who to tell or what to tell and like i i used to work with a guy who um, similar to that told me that story one time you know i saw a light. he was a radio dj working in cairo in egypt and he said one night there was a huge blackout over cairo and these lights appeared around the pyramids wow but thousands of people saw them thousands in Cairo and that's not too irregular an occurrence but there's no talk about it in the media that doesn't make it over it never makes it anywhere near the UK but you know the US, Europe it's just not discussed whereas over there they all saw this stuff happen blackout boom lights over the pyramids later on power comes back on but he was like again he's like I just don't talk about it but because you're interested in UFOs I thought I would tell you so, it's, you hear it so often from so many people that this that, that stuff happens all the time.
0: But it's people like the man behind you and yourself that are making it's like coming out of the closet. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if you're somebody who's, who's gay yeah. and you're like, I've been holding this in for so long, it's like I've, you feel like you've come out of the closet. You know, I went, it took courage for me to ask this young lady named Jill. Uh, Jill, she was my high school classmate. Her name's Jill Armenia now, but um she told me about her story but i wouldn't have six months ago i wouldn't have told her my story no way Mm -hmm. but i just said you know what i'm just gonna ask somebody at home who's my age who was of an age where they could have saw they could have seen and internalized what they saw so you had to at least be like a teenager and not like a five-year-old and so i knowing that jill's my age she said oh yeah i did see one and she the story she told me lines up. The problem, you know, with mine is I'm seeing it rear aspect and it looked much... Well, first of all, I know what aircraft anti-collision lights look like. They Mm. are of a certain candle power. They're like nav lights, just to give... If you want a little bit of aviation stuff.
1: Yeah. So
0: so on each aircraft, on the right wing, you're going to have a green light and on the left wing, you're going to have a red light. So these are wingtip lights. So they come on, they can flash... They're not particularly bright. They're not anti-collision lights. They are position lights. So if you were to see an aircraft cross in, in scotch visibility, like when I used to fly in Scotland a lot, I'll tell you about that later, um, <laughs> They, you'll know if you're looking at the left wing or the right wing as you're approaching that craft, if it's crossing your path. If you see well, that...
1: I wouldn't because I'm colorblind and I'm not oh, looking okay. at a pilot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So you might not be in the cockpit, but... But you got to be able to see, uh, I'm colorblind, but I could see red, amber, and green, and that's all I needed to pass my physical. Okay, yeah. And then your anti-collision lights are top and bottom, and they flash like on a timer, like they'll blink, 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 and they're extremely bright. So they are white during the day, and they are red at night. That's how uh, we do anti-collision lights uh, per FAA and ICAO standard uh, on an aircraft. And they're all the same in Europe. They're the same so so anyway so that's what you're looking at and what i saw on top of this ufo was certainly uh or this uap whatever it was was certainly not that uh like the other people in hudson valley that described that could see much more detail and see triangle shapes uh and things like that a wing form and things like that so
1: and that's that when it comes to like the lights and stuff like i and people will see if they go on my twitter it's at ufo uap am I have listeners and people regularly send over, like, footage or uh, a picture or someone just retweets it and a comment on it and say, what do people think of this? But someone sent me one, was it today, this morning or yesterday? And the first thing I said wasn't, oh, it's aliens or that looks really cool. It was, oh, it looks like a plane. But it was taken from one of the Earthcam webcams. I think it was New York. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like there's a light behind the building to the left-hand side and it looks stationary it uh, glows a little bit and then moves off behind a building across mm-hmm. but and I was oh that looks pretty interesting it may have been stationary but then people comment that time of the day look at the sun it's more than likely that the aircraft's coming towards the camera in the sun and then turns And that's why it looks like it's stationary and Mm -hmm. then moves across behind the building. So, it's And that's the conversation that we're, we're going to have. And I like to have with it because not everything's aliens, not everything's UFOs. You know, it's just there's something in the sky that probably is a satellite or an aircraft or a helicopter or something a bit more mundane than we're looking for. But I think there's a hell of a lot out there that isn't and is unexplained and unidentified. And that's the stuff I'm interested in. So I, I can take off the tinfoil hat. You know, you can see I don't have one on.
0: <laughs> Where's your hat? Can you pan the camera? I'm sure it's there.
1: No, <laughs> It's definitely not. That's a bag if you think that looks like one just sitting down there. But no, I, I can totally separate the, the conversation. And, and I'm fine with that. I, like, I'm more than happy to say there is secret US government tech and secret Russian tech and secret Chinese tech. And it might be 50 years ahead of what we've got now. That's That's really cool. But there's a lot of stuff that isn't explainable.
0: Yeah, and I and that's also that's what gets me. And yeah, and, and in a minute I'm going to ask you about Bob Lazar, but I want to just educate people really quickly on A.T.I.P. and what you, Lou was part of, and what yeah. maybe somewhere else, because I hear a lot of things online and people talking about. Well, if it exists, Lou would have known it, etc. And that's not necessarily true. So I'm going to explain to people because Lou has sort of explained it. And if you've already heard this, just stop me. But Lou, I mean, Lou's clearance was probably higher than mine. Mine was TSSEI. so it means now, uh, as of last month, it's fallen off. I think I'm down secret now. But it was top secret, specially compartmentalized information. And when you when you uh, get that clearance after you've had your background check and they've done the investigation they've closed the investigation they've talked to people that knew you, grew up with you worked with you, etc then you, you're read into a program whatever that program is, that or Lou will call it an SAP, a special access program, right? So yep. SEI just means you can be privy to specially compartmentalized information and, and there are a bunch of SAPs that are in there Because Lou was read into the program that he was read into working in D.C. as part of ATIP does not necessarily mean, and let's say that his program, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Let's say it was Wolfpack was the name of his program. The program that exists at a place like, let's just say Area 51, we all know that it exists. Is there any question that that facility exists? What goes on there, we don't know, but it exists, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because Lou or I am read into to my program and he's read into a fictitious program named Wolfpack, does not mean that he is privy to what the program is at Area 51.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Or he, know, he
1: knows what he needs to know.
0: Exactly. According to whoever classified that, and and perhaps did not read in Lou or any of his colleagues or Christopher Mellon, etc. Has decided or Harry Reid has decided they don't have a need to know, and mm-hmm. if there's one at Wright Patterson where supposedly something was taken, uh, out of uh Roswell when that happened when it was called Wright Field, that could be a totally different program, right? With a Absolute. different name. Okay. So people need to understand Lou. What however much he knows that he cannot share with us does not mean that he knows what's happening at Area 51 or Groom Lake or S4 or Wright Field or anywhere else.
1: That that's that's spot on, yeah, it's a really good point that he knows and and you know what basically, I suppose to boil it down, he doesn't necessarily know where the aliens are and who has the bodies and who has all the craft. And like you say, that could have been a private aerospace company has some parts or something. And I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying that would more than likely be the case that the US government probably doesn't have this stuff. If they did have it now, it's been handed off to private aerospace companies. And when you look at like Bigelow Aerospace, Bass, they, they had government contracts and, and still do. So... When you look at, yeah, yeah. When you look at stuff like, you know, FOIA requests and you, you think of companies and people can now do a FOIA request, can't they? And they can ask for certain information. Now if you FOIA, you know, if you fire the US government, idea, the, the idea is the US government's probably gonna try and run rings round you. So the easiest thing to do is if you hand that off to a private company, you can't fire a private company. So if you're going to hide anything, you have it in your possession, you give it to someone else and you pay them to look after it. You pay them to reverse engineer, back engineer, take it apart, put it, whatever they're going to do with it. And that keeps out the eyes of the public as well. And the more it's moved about, the the further it is from public eyes. So yeah, there potentially has been multiple programs in the past and you mentioned Lou's programs called ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And that was from 2012 to 2017 that Lou was a part of that that program existed beforehand under the name of OSAP. And it was, um, I'm going to get it wrong, Advanced Aerospace Weapons. Mm-hmm. I aerospace remember hearing that it. Is. Yeah, yeah. It I heard changed Ryan from osap about it. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows OSAP and ATIP in the community. So the change from OSAP to ATIP. What it was before then, don't necessarily know. Was there multiple programs running at the same time? Maybe, probably not. But Lou worked in, in ATIP, and that's what kind of blew up. And Lou left ATIP joined TTSA the day after his resignation. That's something we talked about on our podcast. It was really hard for him to do. Lou Elizondo is one of the biggest patriots you'll ever meet, you know, and that's that's, that's something that's much more of an American thing, I think, than a British thing. Very proud of the army, not that we're not proud of our army, but there's such a connection in the US with the armed forces and the military and our respect, and that was really hard for Lou to do. But for the sake of transparency and Lou wanting to further this message, he left and joined up with Tom DeLong and uh, Chris Mellon, Steve Justice, Hal off Jim Semivan, those guys, over at TTSA. And that was with the New York Times article December 2017 came out, confirmed that essentially the Department of Defense of the US Navy had declassified three videos of unidentified flying objects. Or, as they were known in Lou's program and more commonly known now, uh, UAPs, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. UFO has that stigma, doesn't it, that we all you've got that image comes in your mind when you hear ufo
0: and let's 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 contextualize for people who want to know what a sacrifice this was and i even talked to my boss about lou because my boss and i drove from lubbock texas to clovis which then you and i talked about i talked to you about the geography icp station clovis it's about 100 miles from corona where the 1947 incident was and that place is literally 100 miles from anywhere uh, from Roswell, it's like 105 miles. From um, where Billy the Kid is buried, which is uh, Fort Sumner, it's like 90 miles. So it's, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. But mm-hmm. on this ride, we listened to somebody's interview with Lou. It might have been yours that we listened to on that drive. So, and we talked about it. My boss is a GS-13. Lou was a GS-15, which is the equivalent of a colonel. Uh, in the military, in 06, or 0-6 for those of you who uh, who use that lingo. Um, to give up that kind of salary, we're talking about a guy who probably made $130,000 a year, plus locality expenses, etc., uh, to be stationed in Washington, D.C. for an idea. Now, yeah. how many people out there would give up that kind of career. I can tell you I wouldn't, (laughs) and I love UFOs, and I want that information out there, or I'm super interested in this topic. But I don't know that, I I mean, I can't say that, I I mean, I don't know what opportunities were laid out for him leaving there, but I can tell you, and and I I hope and I pray that Lou had at least 10 years service because that means he's getting his retirement, at least half his pay as retirement. So I pray he's getting that. But he's definitely not getting 100% of his over hundred and twenty, hundred dollars 130000 a year salary he would have had as a GS-15. And you guys yeah. can look up what
1: that salary is. I don't know exactly, but I'm, I'm taking a guess. And Lou talked himself on my podcast like mm-hmm. about the finances of it as well. And he, he lost a lot of money with TTSA and the way that went. Mm-hmm. TTSA made a lot of promises so obviously that's to the Stars Academy right. I talk about like everyone knows what we're talking about here and, mm-hmm. and people on this pod might not necessarily be in, in the know with it and I'm wearing one of their hoodies just now. TTSA came out with the idea led by Tom De- everyone says the rock star Tom DeLong, don't they so one of the main guys from Blink 182 um, and he had basically gathered uh, a quite impressive group uh, of former military and you know scientific community guys that were very much in the know who all came on board and and just for like for the names that people won't know like Elizondo and and Putov and these guys these are some heavy hitters however Chris Mellon whether you know him or not the Mellon family are extremely famous and extremely well off this is a man who does not need money put it that way Chris Mellon was the former undersecretary of defense That's that's a serious position. Mm -hmm. He also joined part of this group. So they had some big names and some big positions on board with this. And these are guys that weren't just coming out and saying, let's talk about aliens. It was years before they even mentioned aliens. And that was with these videos. They talk facts and hard data. Here are three videos. They managed to get declassified from the U.S. uh, Navy. The Department of Defense eventually came out and acknowledged this. And the big thing was with TTSA and that New York Times article with the front page, Essentially, the U.S. government had always denied that have any interest in UFOs.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's
1: forget Roswell. Let's just say Roswell never happened. It was nonsense. It was made up. The Phoenix lights, it was flares, military flares. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk Betty and Barney Hill never happened. They made right. all that up, right? So we've never had anything to do with aliens or UFOs and anything people see are just lights in the sky, okay? Everyone's got it wrong. The U.S. government officially acknowledged, yes, we did have a program studying UFOs, used to be called OSAP, then it was called ATIP, and they said it finished in 2017. Lou Elizondo was the guy who ran that program. He is essentially studying, not studying, but he ran the UFO program. They were collecting data, a lot of it military-based, and basically collating, you know, what are these things? Where are they from? What's the technology? Um, Is there a potential threat, which is something Lou and, and Chris Mellon and Co have talked about, and they just wanted to look at the data. They never talked about aliens or spaceships, nothing like that. But as things have gone on, and they've had like unidentified on the History Channel, unidentified season two spoiler alert. <laughs> the the last thing that happens is Chris Mellon again, your former Under Secretary of Defense, a man from a very well respected, very wealthy, very powerful family, sits on camera and basically says, with a bit of a sigh, almost I, I, as if I can't see this any clearer. This is not ours, meaning US. This is not Russian this is not Chinese technology and basically talks about imagine we did make some form of first contact with another civilization what could we learn that's a guy who is coming from a place of knowledge and that's not to say he knows everything but he's giving you this sort of information and this insight Lou Elizondo says the same thing this isn't our technology and the frustration with the the videos that people can check out, and I don't know DJ if you'll put their links and stuff on for those. Sure, um, I will. I will so,
0: link the three uh, navy videos for you guys.
1: Yeah, it's like gimbal, go fast, and um, flare. The flare, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. And as much as you'll take them in the context, they are a very short clip of what are essentially larger videos. People like Lou have seen the the data, the corroborating data that goes along with it. The radar. That would yeah the radar and there's there's some other bits and pieces and you know other parts of videos potentially one of the videos turns off as the object appears to rotate and the rumor is at that point the video cuts off the object shoots off at a ridiculous speed but all you're all you're being shown in context is something moving along at a pace that's all they can show you for various different reasons obviously as well from a military point of view they don't want you to see exactly what their cameras can and can't capture And that's obviously to protect things like the (laughs) Russian and Chinese, Macy, all that kind of stuff as well, which is maybe less interesting to those talking about UFOs. So you've got these guys who are basically coming out and saying, look, and it's it's the old conspiracy thing, isn't it? Of, oh yeah, they can't show us the data, but they can tell you these are guys who are coming out and put their reputations on the line, left huge jobs. They had nothing to gain and everything to lose from this. And I've come out and said, look at these (laughs) videos. These are pretty special. And there's a lot of data that suggests this is not, human and i'm not going to say not from here but i'm going to say that this isn't human and and i don't think i don't think
0: i don't think we should be scared to say some of the things because i think there is an overly politically correct crowd that picks on people like bob lazar and other people who who have seen things and that was another topic i wanted to bring up and just to finish up about uh lou and company lou said these are probably the least compelling videos that he's seen and yes. he hasn't seen it all i will i will i will bet a month's pay that there there are things out there that he hasn't been allowed to see just because as we said, stated earlier he's not read into every program that's around the country that that may have something um
1: and on, I, on that I'll, I'll add one more thing there's a photograph that should hopefully be coming out i, I would suggest around summertime. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw it when the task force report comes out that we might get to talking about. Um, apparently, the, the photograph shows a triangle UFO coming out the water. There's there's, there's two rumours. One, it's just a photo. One, it's a photo from a video. Mm-hmm. But taken from the cockpit of a fighter pilot, apparently extremely clear. Intelligence community, very excited by it, clearly shows a black triangle with the, the lighting on the outside coming out the water. James Fox, who directed the Phenomenon documentary, and if anyone has a passing interest in a subject, that's a really serious, well put together. It's got those guys we've talked about, senators, all that kind of stuff in it as well. Go watch the Phenomenon. James Fox, who directed that, was just on uh, Joe Rogan uh, a while ago, and he's done Logan Paul's podcast recently. And on Logan Paul, he talked about that that, uh, photograph, and he said apparently it's the size of a football field. So, oh if god. there is this photograph in the intelligence community, of a football field-sized triangle coming out the water, that's pretty incredible. So I'd have a heart attack if I, <laughs> if I was flying.
0: I would have a heart attack if I if I was flying and, and I saw that. Oh my god! Because I've never seen anything. I talked to my boss has ten thousand hours in a C one forty one Starlifter. so never saw anything, but I did. Okay, so. Also, with the with the Lou, uh, with the Nimitz stuff, there is a sensor that's out there that I'm not going to suggest what it might be here because Lou didn't, so I'm not going to. But there may be a sensor out there that also has a visual view of what that was that we haven't seen and we may never see. I don't know. But... The efficacy of that citing is not in question if you're a reasonable person. Yeah, uh, I could, you know, I could stand that you would question somebody like Bob Lazar, but even even still, I struggle when people aren't able to see a set of facts and start walking through those facts and see what makes sense. And while we may not have incontrovertible proof of what that is. We can logically say, beyond a reasonable doubt, if we're going to use a civil proceedings standard, that this is probably what it is. As an example, I heard guys arguing about the, let me see, it's the United, is it 2232? 2292, on 21st, 21 February 2021, about the American Airlines sighting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go through that from an aviation standpoint, if you'll, if you'll grant me the time, counselor.
1: Please, yeah, Absolutely.
0: Okay, so a guy calls up and says, how do we know that it's not another, some sort of a supersonic jet that flew over top of it? Or some sort of an aircraft that just was not on course and flew right over the top of this 2292 American Airlines flight? Okay, so I'm going to walk you through this. First of all, the first question he asked ATC was, did you have anything on radar? Which Mm -hmm. they responded, no. So... Unless it's not made of metal, right, then mm-hmm. they would have had it on radar. So that's number one. Number two, every airplane is, a, is, is equipped, at least every complex aircraft is equipped with something called a transponder that has squawk modes. We have mode C, which is international friend or foe, which means that if I was flying uh, here, I'm, uh, I'm down here near RAF Mildenhall, and my friend right here Andy is over RAF Lakenheath, he can see me on his TCAS if I'm within 40 miles, he can see me, okay? Now if my transponder is equipped with mode S, now he can see what altitude I am, he can get even more information. Now they actually have a mode five that'll give even additional information they didn't have when I was flying. So now we supposedly have an aircraft that's flying level. So I don't think it's a missile that's flying level over the top of this this aircraft. It would have more than likely hit them. Um, and it's not... They don't see it on radar, so no one sees it. So that's that's one telltale sign we've seen of certain craft. Some are seen on radar, some are not. Because yep. we don't know what they're made out of. It's not squawk, squawk... So there's no transponder. It's not squawking mode C. So Because if they did, what would happen is... With TCAS is when you're flying directly at someone, it'll give you a, rev- a resolution advisory, what we call an RA. So it would tell him to climb and me to dive, or him to dive and me to climb, or him to turn left. It would say adjust vertical speed. It has certain canned responses that TCAS will say to you if an aircraft, so you would have seen that aircraft 40 miles out. You would have seen it on ra- on, first of all, the aircraft's radar would see it. So, if it's metal, you're gonna you're gonna see that target on radar. You're gonna see it on TCAS. Yeah. ATC is gonna see it. Albuquerque Center would have seen it on their radar. So now we have something flying at an extremely uh fast. Even if it was a missile, they would see it on radar. Why? Because the missile's made of metal. It's not okay.
1: Go ahead. let let, let me play that i'm going to be one of your listeners who's going yeah bullshit bullshit you swore before so i can swear i take it please so i'm scott a scottish i swear every second word. so um fuck sorry just had to get out of that so yeah um the yeah bullshit ufos aliens all, all nonsense okay so it's a missile um u.s government's testing out missiles made of some complex fiber or material over the united states that's what's happening why is that not happening, DJ? Okay,
0: okay, so White Sands Missile Range already said that they didn't fire anything. If they fired a missile up into... And now, remember, people are flying on airways. So there's a MOA around, around White Sands Missile Range. And when that MOA is hot, you don't fly through that. Now, when you look at, at uh, an area such as Area 51, you will not fly over that area at any time. But with certain MOAs, those MOAs which will be in your no towns when you go to check in to fly and you get your route of flight, it'll say this MOA is active so your routing would go around that. But so so now you have White Sands now saying that the, the, the MOA was was not hot, they didn't fire anything, and you have a missile that's made of some sort of composite that radar doesn't see which doesn't exist. Okay. So, what
1: about okay? Forget that then. So what about it's-
0: now I, I got another scenario for you. NOR we have the unknown rider, right? Do you know mm-hmm. what an unknown rider?
1: I've heard the phrase.
0: Okay, unknown rider is an aircraft that is not talking to or squawking anybody. So now NORAD will usually get the call from center about an unknown rider, and then they will they will uh, contact the appropriate fighter base. which in this case, might be the 150th Fighter Wing. In New Mexico, and they will scramble F 16s, whatever the closest area where you have an attack platform, attack aircraft will be scrambled on that. Happens over Russia, happens up in Alaska all the time, right? All, uh, yeah. Out of Anchorage, they scramble all the time when the Russians fly uh, close to our border, penetrate our airspace. So that's what happens, is, and because the Russians, you know, obviously that's an unknown rider. They're not squawking, they're not talking to. To uh, Anchorage, Alaska saying, hey, this is Russian bear, bomber, you know, Sequoia, whatever. They're just trying to, to mess with you. They want to fuck with you for better, for lack yeah. of a better term. And they do it over international waters, but they'll penetrate airspace. So now you have White Sands saying we didn't fire something up into an airway, which is like the A-11 <laughs> over near Mildenhall. I mean, this is, these are airways These aircraft don't just fly point A to point B, right? If you've seen an aviation map, we fly on airways. You don't fire missiles up into airways that are gonna then be co-altitude with something flying level at the, what was it? 37,000 feet, I don't remember what Mm -hmm. the altitude was. So that doesn't happen, okay? So you have no, no unknown rider, okay? So that means no radar and a missile will be seen on radar. Okay, okay what about, be.
1: what about it's not a missile then, but it's either US or Russian or Chinese, and it's a, an aircraft, and whatever it's doing, it's not able to be picked up by radar.
0: Well, even a stealth aircraft can be picked up on radar, it's just that yeah, the but, signature's but, but, different. Yeah, let's,
1: but let's, let's go, this is tech that's 50 years in advance. This is some, like, top, top shit. So we're talking, like, stealth bomber, you know, 50 years ago. We've jumped 50 years, there's something... Would well, you I still mean, want to be testing that over continental U.S.? Above? I mean,
0: yeah, on an airway, I mean, that's just not something to happen. So now we're down to it's Russian or Chinese because the U.S. would not do that. That's what Area 51 and Groom Lake and that facility is all about, is you can fly whatever the hell that you want there, and nobody knows that you're flying it. So, and they can't see you, radar can't pick it up, it's too far away, they've got cover from mountains you know so they can basically fly and do what they want and and they're they're seen sometimes but they're not uh they can't be tracked the the way that uh that you would like to
1: and then then again so let's go with then so it's probably russian or chinese you're saying are you really testing top secret tech like that over the u.s visibly to get shot down (laughs) <laughs> yeah, potentially. And exactly. that, I mean, I mean, that's like, maybe maybe your craft yeah. you've invented can go 5,000 miles an hour. But Let's just say like that, you know, so you're probably confident you can get away, but there's human error. Something goes wrong, then that's now in the hands of the US. You start an international incident. So for it, me, exactly it just doesn't right. make any sense that it, it definitely wasn't a missile. It wasn't US. It wasn't Russian, Chinese. Those pilots know what they saw. They saw something going incredibly fast at an altitude above them where it shouldn't have been it's unidentified, and then, every everything me, can be shot down too.
0: Every I'm sorry, everything can be shot down. Uh, yeah. That that we have and that they have, and we know that. That's how the the U2 got shot down, and the SRO seventy one would would have been shot down also if it would have kept penetrating Russian airspace. They said we're going to go up and we're going to get you if you keep overflying us, and they did. And that's why they're not overflying us now, and we're not overflying them. They're you know they're continental. Um, uh their sovereignty basically so
1: there comes a point just for me like before you want to move on or you want to talk about bob lazar like Mm -hmm. the 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 common sense argument can't just always be common sense on one side and that's to say that when you've got guys who obviously your military knowledge is fantastic okay you you know what you're talking about most of that goes over my head so it gets explained to me simply okay but I, i speak to guys like lou and other people in the military and all that kind of stuff and there comes a point where look when you've got Chris Mellon sitting saying, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. You can't then just go back to, yeah, but it's not aliens. And we're not saying it's aliens, but what we're saying is, this is not ours. We can't make this. And when I say we, I mean humans, yet. So you've got to have the conversation. And this is where you need mainstream politics and mainstream science to get involved. This needs studied further. It can't just stay in the hands of Podcasters and YouTubers and documentary makers. You need serious politicians. Harry needs a serious politician, but he needs other people to get on board, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's where you've got. You know, I. I, Do you know what? It's funny when you talk about U.S. politics. Like I know a little bit about it from being outside the U.S. just because of the stuff I'm affiliated with, and um, and it's it's a crazy system you guys have over there, like Mm -hmm. unreal. Um, but guys like Warner and Rubio, and for all they've got issues, you know, for whatever these are guys that have a bit of an interest in the ufo subject so you need more of that it needs to be a, a, a topic that gets pushed into the mainstream to get those politicians and get scientists on board that it can be left out of my hands to sit and talk about it and go let the scientists deal with it so go and find out what this is what is that technology why can it go that fast Who's i agree controlling it?
0: and 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 when david fravor says This is physically, it defies the laws of gravity. There's no, I mean, you guys should listen. When a Navy, retired Navy 05, who graduated top gun, I mean, started his life as an enlisted man from like a suburb of Ohio, or actually working class area of Ohio, Marine Corps enlisted man, graduated the Naval Academy uh graduated top gun became the youngest commander in the United States Navy to take an air wing out on a combat deployment um and he says we don't have a technology that can do what this thing did and yep. move for th- the human body would collapse if it were inside <laughs> of this craft uh yeah. and i think a lot of them are drones frankly some of them i think are are quote uh manned or have an intelligent control of them and i think some of them are they're using
1: as drones to scan us? So well, the the um, object you're talking about, the Tic Tac, what mm-hmm. flavor encountered, that was that was picked up and it's re- recorded. It dropped from eighty thousand feet to was it ten feet above the seabed in less than two seconds, and that's what you're saying. That would just crush you. It's not yeah. even we couldn't we couldn't even do that. It doesn't matter if we wanted to do that. Like we couldn't get something to drop that quick. Well, the speed,
0: what you're looking at here, what. The speed that it accelerated past Fravor, so he's seeing this thing at a dead stop, and then he points his nose to go and 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 take a dive at it, and the thing notices that he's going to do that, and it goes zipping by his windscreen from a dead stop. That is what would collapse the human body. There's no G-suit yeah. that could handle Acceleration at that level, so people are saying, "Well, gee, but in in the space shuttle and in Apollo Eleven, they were doing seventeen thousand miles an hour. Yes, but they didn't accelerate from zero to seventeen thousand <laughs> yeah. miles an hour within one second, or, or they stop. would cease to live, and then, <laughs> and stop. then stop. Yeah, and yeah. and turning at right angles. So I mean, most likely this is a. Cr- I'm I'm gonna say this is a craft that's pr- not from here, uh, yeah. not from. Uh, now we can. T- uh, have a discussion, and I, I'm curious to ask Andy if he thinks that these craft are come. So this is one of the questions I want, and we'll we'll get Bob. I, I love you, Bob. So I'm sorry that we haven't got to Bob Lazar. One of the questions I have, and I think there are some journalists out there, the types of guys who say I don't even want to hear Bob Lazar's story. I don't, you know, maybe there's some I don't believe, you know, whatever. They they're very dismissive of Bob Lazar. And his story, which I don't think, I think it might make you sound like you're completely fact-based, but so what? Does that mean that you're better? I mean, I also, like you, Andy, are listening to certain stories and saying, I don't find credibility in that sighting of what yeah. I'm seeing. Like the Aguadilla video, and I'll talk to you about that because I showed that to a uh, AC-130 gunship sensor operator that has thousands of hours just looking through that camera. So if you want to just talk about visual looking through a sensor, and he told me within one second that that was an MX-15 that, 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 uh, border patrol aircraft was using. And we used to use MX-15s when I retired and started using MX-20s, but he, he could tell you anything that was on that screen right away. Yeah. Um, and he, he evaluated that video and couldn't determine what it was, but, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that uh, there are some things I don't find a lot of credibility in that. But you know what? There is a lot of credibility in what Bob Lazar says to me based on what I know. So why would I say that dismiss this man uh, out of hand just to say, well, I'm completely based in facts. And so if you can't prove it, I don't want to hear it. I don't see <laughs> what we get from doing that when the guy wouldn't want to ruin his life to tell this story if there you know when a lot of what he says lines up to be true just like his his credentials um but i'm sorry and when it comes to when yeah. it comes
1: to the story like he told the story as he says to protect himself um he's, mm-hmm. he's a clever guy and listen you've got to acknowledge and like i spoke about george napwith it has past and activities outside of the the ufo story there is a lot of you know kind of scrutiny there and there are parts that you can't really fill in and that does add that little bit of gray to it and it's funny like I was talking on uh, Luis Jimenez's podcast the other night and we were going back and forward about Bob Lazar and it was really interesting because he's from a a family background where Luis's family is uh, uh, police officers Mm -hmm. so he likes to come at things you know as if you're investigating and all that kind of stuff and he was like you know you just why would the US government hire a guy who was essentially a pimp he ran a brothel, Uh, you know, why would they hire a guy like that? Because he did, that's a fact. Those, those, he he was basically, he, you know, he was involved in prostitution and stuff like that. However, he is clearly very intelligent. He's got, you know, all kinds of qualifications. Again, there's some stuff around that, but the guy's, you know, expertise in handling things like nuclear material, and he claims to have worked on um, back-engineered alien spacecraft, essentially, Mm -hmm. is what he's he's talking about. Mm why wouldn't you hire a guy with a spurious background? If you had someone squeaky clean who then comes out and tells a story, this guy is, you know, like like, imagine a flavor, top gun, best of the best, creme de la creme, but you take that to science. This guy is, you know, squeaky clean. You know, he's never been married. He's a virgin. He literally has spent his life in textbooks and stuff. And he comes out and tells this story. You look at it and go, oh, well, you know, that's quite interesting. And you start looking into it. But if you hire a guy to do the same job who's capable of it, to do a job that not point not 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 one percent of the world can do, why not hire the guy with a bit more of a devious background or devious psychological profile that you can easily discredit by saying, Yeah, but he was a fucking pimp. Oh well, you're not going to have a guy running a brothel who could back engineer the alien spacecraft. But you know what? If you were going to have someone do that, why not hire the guy with that background? Someone that you have something on. Is that yeah, what you're getting? Because yeah. It, yeah. It just yeah. takes that one thing because you then go the guy's a pimp he basically solicited you know women well, for prostitution but he just happens to be extremely intelligent and being able to do certain things that most people can't
0: uh i will bet you that there's a lot of people in the dorms at area 51 that aren't the most normal people that you would ever meet absolutely um yeah. but let's 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 piece it together real quick um so you have a guy I, I don't know his academic ground he said he went to caltech
1: so that's yeah so that's uh, the issue that uh, it does. Uh, yeah do uh, you want to go
0: yeah, do do you get hired at do you get hired at Los Alamos Labs when first of all, he the government made them say that he didn't work there. Do you get hired to work at Los Alamos Labs if you don't have a scientific degree in something? As a jet jet propulsion guy, he was in, in their in their newspaper.
1: Yeah, you're not no, there's a janitor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he got hired to work there. So then you could, you know, especially at the time when he would have graduated just like me, you could walk up into the registrar's office and say, grab that guy's records back when, when all that stuff wasn't online and say, this guy never uh, never worked here. As far as you know, he never went to school here. You got it. Uh, the government's done stuff like that. They did it to everybody in the Roswell case. They intimidated and we know that. Uh, unless you think those people are lying because— they move out into the middle of the desert in New Mexico because they love attention. That's why. That's why Mac Brazel bought that ranch hundred miles from nowhere because he couldn't wait for the media to come and visit him.
1: Yeah, courted the fame and fortune out in the middle of yeah. the desert. Yeah, um, it just couldn't couldn't wait to become famous. The academic stuff for Lazar is that kind of one of the grey areas that makes it you know a little bit iffy. But George Knapp made a good point when I spoke to him and I'd never heard it before that you know he doesn't believe that. And this is the guy who broke the story back in the late '90s or late yep. '80s, sorry, yep. early '90s. Great. Journalist. He doesn't believe, yeah. He he doesn't believe that Bob attended those colleges or universities in the sense that you normally would. He believes he went there, but what what George said to me was he he would suspect that Bob potentially attended certain classes. On the basis that he was he was going to go there for whatever reason but that's not to say he walked out with the official degree or official qualification but are you then saying and that that was it? Is he then sponsored by someone to go there you know like i'm going to use spider-man for fuck's sake mm-hmm. you know Sp- spider-man goes to school sometimes when he's not doing other things mm-hmm. and he's just in those classes so if you were someone who was potentially on a list to be involved in that or you know you were gifted as as bob seems to be from his intelligence then potentially he was just attending for certain classes why we don't know that's just something that george mentioned that i found quite quite interesting with the story
0: yeah and i didn't know that i mean obviously he did the background he found the i guess the headhunter that got him hired got him the conversation with eg and g but supposedly there was that nuclear guy that he had met when he came and visited Los Alamos and he saw the write-up about Bob and the rocket car in the paper and supposedly he was involved to help him set that up. But uh, EG&G is real. I mean, that place does hire contractors to work at certain sites. I also some heard George,
1: some... George yeah. said himself he, he went with Lazar to the site. And Lazar drove in, waved at the guards. We've they all met waved people. back. That's <laughs> yeah. not me and you. We are not right. driving up to that no. gate and just going, hi, guys. And they're no. going, who the fuck are you? And you've got a gun at your head before you get anywhere near it. That's Lazar was known, and George Knapp said that. They knew who he was. He definitely worked there. His name, were in, his name was in the phone book, all that jazz. He did work there. That, that's a fact. So So
0: how did he get hired if he didn't have any science background? <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: Exactly. He yeah. he was able to demonstrate something. And let's be honest, let's even go again, devil's advocate, which I like doing these days. He manages to fabricate all of that background. He mm-hmm. is totally bullshit and bluffed his way into a top secret government area. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say the government sometimes don't make mistakes. Surely to God, he quickly gets found out. Mm-hmm. When he can't do any when of this yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're if you're a brain surgeon DJ and tomorrow I ask you to do an operation, <laughs> right? But you've lied to get to that fucking point. As soon as that person's on that table and I'm standing next to you going, Are you good? Then you're going, huh. Right. where, where hmm. first it's, cut. You don't have a fucking clue what you're doing, and to me that'll become very quickly apparent. It's like Leo DiCaprio and catch me if you can, that kind of shit. Remember? He was supposed yeah, to be yeah. a doctor. Same shit. Yeah, and it, it gets to the point. No matter how good a liar or bluffer you are, you're gonna get... going to have to carry out the task that you don't have the expertise in.
0: Yeah, and yes. I don't think I don't, I don't think he could have existed in that world. I mean, I worked at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. They have Sandia Labs there, which is an adjunct to uh, the San, um, the uh, Los Alamos Labs, and those areas are all fec- Those areas, uh, the Sandia Labs, a lot of them are fenced in. And you can't get in there unless you have a certain badge, even though whatever badge I had to get on the flight line, I can't get in there. I mean, they, they're, no. they're uh, a base within the base. They have, I shouldn't say a base within the base. They have facilities on the base that are off limits to the rest of the base.
1: Yes.
0: Many, many uh, facilities on, on Kirtland. So uh, yeah, the fact that he could do that and that Bob, Lazar, uh, excuse me, um, Is it Knapp? George Knapp was able able to ride on there with him. So that adds efficacy that he did have some scientific skills. So I can assume of how he would have been hired as a propulsion expert uh, to want to reverse engineer stuff that they found. Well, how do we know that they found anything? Well, to me, everything, you know, you listen to Jesse Martell and you start going through that story and you have to think that, first of all, who has a reason to lie about whether they looked worked at Los Alamos? Is it the government who wants to discredit him or Bob, who we've already proven that they lied about saying that he never worked there? So we've already proven there's number one. Same thing with Roswell. Do You, you know, me and my buddy were talking about this at the track because... He was read into, when we were active duty, we were read into the same program. And yesterday, or Saturday, we got a little discussion in anticipation for this about Bob Lazar. And I said, you don't send deuce... Okay, when a weather balloon crashes in a 100 miles from Roswell in Corona, New Mexico, you don't send deuce and a halves, you know, three or four or five deuce and a halves worth of guys to cordon off an area that civilians now can't go on to, to pick up a couple of fucking pieces of mylar and wood and stick it in the back of the truck and say, let's go back to the base.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, how ridiculous does that sound? And having an intel officer go out to the site, uh, Major Jesse Martel, to go out to that site for a weather balloon. Not only that, the Air Force already told you what happened. They said a UFO crash. Then they come back and take it back and we're supposed to believe the second thing, not the first thing, when all the facts match the first thing. The townspeople, you don't talk about anything. Mac Brazel, we'll kill you and your whole family. Jesse Martell, you're going to say this. This is what you will say when we take you to Love Field or wherever the hell they went in Fort Worth before they carted the shit off. And they have deuce and a halfs of guys there. Uh, gathering up debris and throwing it on trucks and then supposedly going off on two different aircraft to the same location. How does that happen if it was a weather balloon?
1: It and they made, pose. they made him pause. They made him pause a second time with yes. that broken up weather balloon. Yeah. And, and his, his the most st- like, staged, this not the shit st- yeah. st-
0: The most staged, stupid thing. And yet I'm going to be a UFO analyst observer today in 2021 and go, Well, I don't want to talk about that anymore because we can't prove anything. The facts point you toward what happened. The Air Force actually told you what happened. yeah, Or the Army Air Corps at the time. Told you what happened at that site. And then they (laughs) said, well, wait a minute. It, It wasn't, I know we said it was an aircraft from another world, but we take that back. It was a weather balloon
1: but you know what's really interesting you, you've we've talked about two two subjects here or actually three you've went from the more recent nimitz princeton stuff and the gimbal and flair that was that was more recent than that as well you're talking about things that happened in the last 15 16 17 years and you've then jumped back to bob lazar that was the late 80s that story broke and now we're going back to the late 40s and these like lazar and then even before that the roswell stuff roswell coming up you know 70 80 years old now most everyone is now dead you're now talking to the grandparents of parents who were involved and stuff like that okay going back we've got the nimitz princeton stuff that is very new the people that were involved in it are many of them still in active duty commander fravor's wingman she is still in active duty and pretty high ranking as well i won't say her name but her name's out there it was it was accidentally put out by people some time ago but she was on unidentified with the you know the black green silhouette yeah the silhouette as well Um, she should be but yeah and that's someone who still came out who's in a very high ranking military position um and hopefully she does come forward properly one day to retell the story and talk about it and you know that's that's able to be done but we have these cases and like people like Lou and Chris Mellon have said these are still happening now these are happening last week these are happening last month these are happening last year and we've got We don't have people who have passed away or their grandkids talking about what may may or may not have crashed in the desert. As romantic as Roswell is, and it's a beautiful story and it's amazing, it's part of ufology. And uh, the Bob Lazar story, which just doesn't seem to go away, which again, like you, I love the story and the the possibilities and you know, did this guy back engineer an alien craft? Again, for the listeners who are far more skeptical and want to think just logically, we have in the last 10 or 15 years, serious pilots, get your top gun guys, and and women that are seeing this stuff and like we never even described before, but the reason we called it a tic tac for listeners who don't know, Commander Fravor, you talked about this thing being at a dead stop beside him. It was a forty foot long white tic tac. That's how he describes it. There was no exhaust ports, no windows. There's there's been talk on one or two interviews where there were two small, like, so almost antenna off the bottom of the craft, hmm. um, and then potentially hieroglyphics or not. So it's always been something, to, uh, but no potential hieroglyphics so oh really some, yeah that, that's been muted before but I can't remember if that's true or not wow. but regardless this big white tic-tac 40 foot long is what's been performing all these manoeuvres he came along to meet it this came up to meet him uh, you know you'll mm-hmm. be able to describe exactly what I mean by this but he started spiraling down because that's how you you head down the best way to mm-hmm. engage and the tic-tac copied him coming up from the seabed and met him and that's where it literally sat beside him Do-do-do, bang off it went
0: That's right. Yeah, he said that he saw it across. uh, Basically, he's making, you know, a 360-degree circle. He saw it across, and he said, oh, well, just the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, so I'll just cut off my uh, and and head towards it, and that's when it it zipped by him and went to their cap point. How it knew where their cap point was, my point is that it's all compelling, and I don't think anybody you should dismiss. If you dismiss some of these stories... You should be able to explain how it's not true. And and that for me, that's, that's my point the when it's like, right.
1: I love all the stuff, mm-hmm. but for me, and there's so much in the last three and a half years from there. Yeah, yeah, you're satiated with that. and And then it's like, let's go with that because I think this is going to potentially lend credibility eventually to some of those older stories and cases right good and point it's, it's when you go back and it's you know what they found bodies it was well did they or didn't they was it an alien spacecraft was it government tech whatever and then like the betty and barney hill calvin parker you know tra- uh, travis walton famous mm. abductions the phoenix lights you get to the mid 90s again the bob lazar stuff there's some very recent cases happening to the military worldwide that this is stuff that we can actually still study now we can see if people it. wanted and you and there's a chance that you could totally blow what it is out the water that if you if people who want to go it's not aliens it's not this it's you're neil degrasse tyson's he's really serious astrophysicists who just don't entertain the notion of it for some reason when the universe is the size it is but then that brings me back to i think you were going to ask at some point about what i think then that's yes. not to say yeah. all of these things are necessarily coming from space
0: Yeah, this is uh, one of the uh, questions I've developed after listening to you guys. I think it, I don't know if it was from listening to Lou or not, but it never occurred to me that are these things, I mean, I just always assumed these things are flying past our satellites into the atmosphere and then going wherever it is that they want to go. My question to you is, do you think that they're entering that way or do you believe that some of these things that we're seeing are coming from a different dimension, or, or something like that, and then appearing.
1: I think it's all of the above, and that's why more and more that, that it's being talked about as the phenomenon. And that's from guys like Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, you know, the, these really serious folk. And James Fox called his documentary "The Phenomenon" for that reason. It's an umbrella effect. Um, when you think about the, the classic, a flying saucer comes from Mars to Earth. Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, wouldn't that be incredible? Of course it would anyway. Mm-hmm. But then what about if you had a spaceship coming from another solar system to Earth, then another galaxy to Earth? And then it's like, my God, think of the distances. But we think in distances that we can comprehend. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, back in the day when someone stood on the shoreline before there were boats and went, God, I wonder what's out there. Little did they know there was another country not that far away. But even when they first got a boat, that must have seemed inachievable. That's too far. They could never do that. So then you, think, then you think to like, okay, so say these things can travel, but then what about if there were already, and this is something that Lou Elizondo famously made made the point once, that what if it wasn't mankind, but mankind's? And what does it mean to be human? And that's an interview he talked about. It was 20, 2017, 2018. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just him talking to the camera, that this clip. But I asked him on my podcast to elaborate that mm-hmm. because it's been something that so many people have wanted him to follow up on and he, he did in the best way he could and he said okay so think of it this way that because he's clearly getting at these objects aren't necessarily coming from outer space right so let's forget for a minute they're coming from other planets and he talked about think of a cigarette or a cigar He
2: mm-hmm.
1: was like there's the part of the cigar the ash that's already burned and that's the past
2: mm-hmm. he went
1: then you've got the part that's still to burn and that's the fu- uh, the future Mm-hmm. But then you have this little bit, he calls it the cherry, the, the bit that's still burning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's that's the moment we live in just now. So mm-hmm. you've got everything that's gone and you've got everything that's still to come. But then you've got this this point that's happening now. So then let's look at that point that's burning. It's not symmetrical. There's right. overlap. Imagine within that burning point, there were people who are slightly... Ahead. Imagine you're slightly ahead of the point than me. Mm-hmm. So you're a couple of seconds in the future. Mm-hmm. You can potentially see me, but I can't see you. Imagine there comes times when we are symmetrical and we can see each other. Mm-hmm. And he made the point that potentially with these tic-tac crafts and some of these sightings, you know, whether it's just a normal UFO sighting or whatever, potentially the there are things that line up that we can see them and they can see us. Whether that's a naturally occurring phenomena or whether something on their end allows that to happen or it's right. And that's, and that's why potential let's got that. seems me just going uh, talking. Like I'm just talking now. Right. But imagine the reason they're in these machines is so they can come into our reality. Let's just say they're from a different reality, different mm-hmm. dimension, whatever that allows them to do this. If there is someone inside, say you, like you said, could be a drone, could be artificial intelligence from a civilization that died a long time ago. Um, there's you know people talk about crypto and ultra terrestrials what if and this is just me throwing out what ifs for people who have seen the marvel movies okay Mm -hmm. black panther great movie you've got wakanda you've got this advanced civilization here on earth that we don't know is here Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what if that was sort of the case so you hear about things like atlantis and stuff back in the day right Mm -hmm. crazy stories you know all that kind of stuff i'm not talking about mermaids i'm not talking about aquaman (laughs) but imagine there was a civilization that somehow ended up under the ocean and what if it was still under the ocean so mm-hmm. when these tic-tacs uh, when this event finished those tic-tacs shot off towards the catalina islands mm-hmm. and went under the water so why are they going under the water are they from here where did you is get the, that piece of information
0: is that something that you got um so uh, when you speak- I never heard
1: that yeah, so Gary Voorhees and Sean Cahill, the guys who are involved mm-hmm. in it, I've interviewed them a few times. Gary mm-hmm. Voorhees was a SPY1 radar operator, mm-hmm. and they talked about these things were tracked going off to the Catalina Islands. Wow. And then uh, Gary and Sean are involved with a group called UAPX, mm-hmm. which want to lead an expedition to the Catalina Islands to see what they can find. So there's guys who are involved in it who know and work with Lou, who are putting a bit of money into taking a real scientific endeavor to that area. then there's the opportunity or chance that do these do some of these objects reside here temporarily permanently they've been here longer than us they just come here now and again they share the planet it was theirs before us it used to be atlantis and it's that's how you get the stories like that Mm -hmm. um or you know some of them come from space they all come from space they come into our reality they shift in and out and that's why they can be seen to like move so erratically at times and that that comes on to the whole you know the fact that potentially these objects aren't flying and that's why they can perform the maneuvers that they can because they either exist in that point oh. when it goes from eighty thousand feet to you know mm-hmm. the seabed in two seconds we consider it flying in g-forces but what if that's not not what's happening what if it's moving from point to point it looks to us like it's flying because they're going at these speeds, but... But it's going m-
0: from... Yeah, warming. maybe
1: it's just... It exists there, and it exists there. Maybe it manoeuvres, maybe it doesn't. Maybe what? it's using... And then you talk about gravity and all that kind of stuff, like, not my expertise, I'm not a physicist.
0: Which of these... Which of these do you like the best?
1: What do I like? Um,
0: what do you feel like... You What your your insides tell you, hey, I think this is probably what, what's occurring...
1: Um, I think the the nimitz and stuff, the tic-tac incidents, I would say that's some sort of reality, that they come into our reality and we can see them sometimes and that's that's how that's happened. I, I do think you've got things coming from other planets, I do think that happens. Um, I think you've got different dimensional, interdimensional, multi-dimensional, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. the, the universe is like Lou and all that I've said before that the universe is a lot stranger and they'd be probably give it credit for and there's just so much that we've not considered with it that I think to me the idea almost of uh, a spaceship coming from another planet is almost a little bit mundane now because you hear all these different theories and that is what they are but I put a lot of weight into theories coming from people like Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo who are trying their best and like Lou said when he talks about the, the analogy he used of the cigarette or the cigar burning that that explained that really well to me but what he says is he has had people at the pentagon explaining this to him using whiteboards and math and they're drawing. you know this is how this works and what if it's like this and you know like, bear in mind they're seeing that other data they are mm-hmm. seeing you know potentially where these things originated from did they just mm-hmm. appear Were they tracked you know all that kind of stuff the the extra videos the the speed they may fly off at mm-hmm. that's one of my, not to change subject randomly, but one of my big frustrations with any piece of UFO footage if you want to call it UFO footage is you almost never see the object leave the video cuts off before then and for me that would be the interesting part as to obviously you don't see the object arrive mm-hmm. because generally you're not filming a piece of the sky and a UFO flies into interview that would be suspect, okay um, however, like you, when you're sighting, this thing was there, so it probably flew over your head. Mm-hmm. Imagine you had a camera phone. You put the camera phone and you start filming it. The object either just floats away. Okay, fine. But there's so many of these where you see the video and then you'll see a piece of text saying it then shot off at an incredible speed. Well, why the fuck am I not seeing that? Because for me, that's the interesting part. And for me, if that gimbal video does what people say it does when it cuts off that the official part we've got released Mm -hmm. apparently after that as it rotates it belts off and for me that's where really they've released this stuff for people to look at and people interested have latched onto it but if you release that to the public where this thing okay something flying along looks a bit saucery shaped could be anything no it then tilts okay that's interesting but then you see it go and it's gone but that's purposeful, that, right? It's purposeful. Yeah, they, that's all they want is. you to see. They Absolutely. want you to be in doubt. It's enough that, and again, we've had a crazy year worldwide, okay? But it's enough that basically in the last four years, the US government, Department of Defense, and the US Navy have essentially acknowledged UFOs exist. We study them. Here are some UFO videos. And people went,
0: eh? Right. Uh, yeah. It's because it's not enough. So that's, they got the desired result. What they were looking for is what they got. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that video in the extra footage included in the phenomenon? So, if you purchase it from uh, Vimeo or um, or Apple, you'll find this that one where that individual is pointing his camera up the sky, and he has like ten minutes of footage of something that looks like a UFO, and you could see the rotating colors at the bottom of that craft. Do you, what did you think of that video?
1: Do you know i've seen loads of footage like that and i suppose for me it's not the what did i think of it because i've seen videos like that but for mm-hmm. me it's the fact that that has made it into that documentary and the people who were attached to the documentary again i'm I'm seeing these names for a reason people like chris mellon mm-hmm. harry um, harry reed senator harry Reid. um you know the senators that were involved um, lou elizondo hal put off james fox knows these people has spoke to these people james fox talked about this on joe rogan you know don't listen to me go listen to it after he's listened to you mm-hmm. go listen to the james uh, joe rogan podcast and listen to james fox talk about it that's in there for a reason so for me that adds legitimacy to it can you say it's anything other than a really interesting object in the sky with some some lights around it not really but you can speculate so it's like any of that footage you're never going to get a, i was talking again to Luis Jimenez about this nothing is coming out in the form of a documentary or tv show that gives you proof that aliens exist that's what keeps disappointing people especially in the ufo community and, and ufology ufo twitter that anytime something like unidentified or the phenomenon or a jeremy Corbell documentary gets announced they are not announcing proof of aliens they can't that stuff wouldn't come out and uh, do you want to see this trailer buy my documentary but what you're getting is different to different extents as well and i think the phenomenon is the best one for it as you're getting a little folder of evidence and you can't prove aliens exist or ets or multi-dimensions exist but i think what you're getting is look here's all the evidence we do have what do you think right now that evidence well until now i don't think it's got into the right hands and this is this potentially is where we segue nicely if you want to into your podcast christ i'm taking over the uap task force mm-hmm. so for the first our time senate has passed a bill it was part of the covid covid 19 bill i believe um I, I don't know the numbers and stuff other mm-hmm. people are better than that with me i'm not a details guy but within that bill was the demand that um that a uap task force is drawn up and within 180 days they present a report it's now due around about june um, that will give you know basically essentially Department of Defense d- an assessment of what is the UAP or UFO phenomenon. An
0: underfunded, understaffed effort that's probably yes. going to produce something that none of us are going to be compelled by. But we hold out the smallest of hope.
1: It's yeah. So the without the, 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 again the names, whoever was attached to run it and lead it. Um, Lou Elizondo came out and vouched for and they were very Mm -hmm. excited, it was in good hands Um, people like that though, like Lou and Chris have said 180 days is not enough time to do what they're being asked to do not enough
0: money and
1: not enough staff you're that's in the middle of covid yeah. you've just had an administration change as well mm-hmm. um so the the head of that task force has now been moved to another project another area they have another head of the task force but again we're being told by lou and chris that's good person yeah good person good guy patriot um will do the right thing however it's their, their hands are tied behind their back um they've got both hands tied behind their backs and someone's kicking their heels essentially <laughs> um is, is the way it sounds like to me um they don't have the funding for me the best we could hope for is this report comes out and it's a very very pl- preliminary pre- bleh, i can't say it in scottish preliminary report. Yeah, I love yes, it. that's the I love, one
0: you have the coolest glasgow has the coolest <laughs> scottish accent i mean you 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 are like the 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 scouse of of scotland i mean it's the best
1: oh fuck that's that's not a compliment um it is i i i I love
0: the scouse accent so like okay i lived in the uk for three years yeah Uh, my favorite accent is probably the scouse one is that on a woman
1: though
0: huh oh i don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> okay. I can't talk about that. I don't know if I've talked to that many Scouse women, but as far as the men, you know, listening to um, to Darren Till from the UFC or uh, yeah. or uh, the, the Fab Five, uh, the Fab Four rather, um, and NF Scotland, I love the, the Glaswegian because I had my friend from Scotland listen to your podcast and he's like, oh, he's Glaswegian. You know, I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> like you and uh, Joanne Calderwood. The fighter from yeah. UFC, JoJo. Yeah. So she's. So
1: awesome. yeah, it's uh, it's nice, but obviously it's much easier to imitate. It's so much easier to do your accent. I could do a podcast like this all day. <laughs> so let's talk about UFC. <laughs> let's talk about fucking NBA. Let's talk about the Mets. Fucking love- baseball. But so that's but that's like years I've been brought up on American TV shows. That's a great
0: volume. American accent, man. Andy and party people at UFO. <laughs> <laughs> at that UFO podcast alright so let's do some quick hitters um, cool. most compelling video to you other
1: than the big three Um. Oh, uh, so straight off the top of my head my favourite case uh, and has lots of footage is the Phoenix Lights case from Arizona mid 90s it's all handheld cameras it was the mid 90s folks no conspiracy stuff because people didn't have it but thousands of people across phoenix arizona saw lights over several nights and um, famously there was a pilot at the time coming in to land and um, a small light aircraft who reported seeing the lights everyone claimed it was a craft there was a solid structure v-shaped that flew over the town hovered in the distance huge um, it later came out it's actually kurt russell the actor was the pilot who was flying at the time um, wow. that that came out only a couple of years ago on a, a uk talk show where for whatever reason they, br- they brought it up and he said yeah do you know what he was watching a documentary on it and realized that he was the pilot I think he was dropping off one of his kids or it was something like that mm. or a friend he was flying him and flying back on his, his little plane and saw this craft so yeah the whole the whole of this this town had this sighting over a few nights famously they obviously um, went to the, the governor whose name is Fife Symington who they were like all over the place. There was loads of reports coming in. This huge fucking V-shaped craft is flying over our town. What is that? It was reported, and it was very much poo pooed. Um, turned it into a
0: joke. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He turned into a joke, which ruined his career, and he since came out in a lot of interviews regretting that because he basically turned up to a press conference with all the journalists. People were really, really interested in this, and they said, "We've well, found out who done it. Bring them out." had a guy dressed up in a big stupid eight foot tall gray alien costume handcuffed everyone had a little giggle that's that's the subject that's ufology it's not changed massively although it's a bit better and um he said you know it was something like you guys take this way too serious um he since come out and said himself that that was a mistake it was made to do that he had saw the craft himself and yes something did happen over those couple of nights so there's loads of footage of it the the US uh, the official ex- explanation was it was military flares, but if you see these the let alone the footage you know where the the craft is, is obviously going over the town and stuff people reported, these aren't flares these are lights turning on they're not dropping they're hovering and they were there for hours and hours and hours.
0: So it wasn't a weather balloon, uh,
1: and and the well, mil- <laughs> and the military doesn't just
0: randomly drop illumination flares uh vietnam style over the city of phoenix for no reason okay do
1: you know what no one said that it wasn't a weather balloon so maybe that's something they could look it could have been
0: what yeah we got to check that out it could be it could have been a weather
1: balloon uh mine is
0: aguadilla um i was able to look uh through that again I, i was able to look at it through my little bit of knowledge uh as um you know as an aviator I was never a sensor operator. I was a flight engineer, so I had a limited amount of time looking at it. But I uh, did have a sensor operator look at it. And it's compelling in that you can't tell 100%. Okay, he couldn't tell me what it was.
1: Yeah. So I'm just, I'm pulling up the video now again because I just want to double check please uh, at what point so at, at, at around on that video if people pull it up it's i go ufo whatever mm-hmm. on youtube at around 225 the object appears to split mm-hmm. um i was talking about this online um with a few people and i'm I, I love when people get in touch who are really skeptical healthy skeptics and i'll put a video with a picture and say you know what is this and if someone can explain this is why it's a balloon. This is why it's this. This is why it's a plane. It's coming from an angle. That's fine. There's science to all that stuff, okay? But someone did get in touch with me, and they've done quite a bit of work on the fact they think it's a balloon.
0: Yeah, let me let me pull it up. I'll pull it up and I'll take a look at it as you're looking, and um and see what I can tell you what's on the screen at least. Um, and I,
1: I'll I'll even try. Obviously, I don't want to ruin. Give it. it's an audio podcast and all that and stuff. But no, it's uh, okay
0: it's this um, is this is really this is something that people really want to see um oh, hold on a second
1: and this is something i'll forward on yourself as well that the, the work they've done for it but um they basically analyzed it and they've got down the reasons why it's um it was two balloons oh that no sepa- way that, that separated
0: not going at over 100 knots um they, they don't fly okay so what you're seeing at the lower right you're seeing the target they're on line of sight. The target itself is bearing 231 degrees. It's 2.7 nautical miles as I look at it. Uh, It's 1829 UTC. And this thing looks like a tumbling, almost shapeless object that is traveling very fast. There's no balloon or bird that's going to travel that fast for that long. Uh, It is at uh, 2.2. It's 230 feet off the ground. Right now, they shut down air traffic at Aguadilla at that airport for this object.
1: And listen, this isn't me saying that's what I think it is. But someone who is far better at that sort of analysis, I've I've sent you over to your Twitter, so when you get time, because it's quite okay. a big report, have a look through it and you can get in touch with me and if you want to put it on your Twitter or stuff for your listeners. I would love to hear what you think as well. But they've done quite a detailed analysis of why they think it is what it is, including speeds and all that kind of stuff. And
0: Well, well, I had a sensor operator look at it. So uh, just, are you familiar with the AC-130 gunships?
1: I heard of just through doing this, but...
0: Okay, so they have, especially the newer gunship, the legacy gunship had some different sensors and what they have now is much more similar to what you're looking at here. This is an MX15. They're mm. using an MX20 now, which is a little better resolution and range on, on that camera. I've worked with both, but I, I don't consider my, I, can, I don't consider myself an expert compared to a sensor operator. But compared to, like, a civilian like that, like Jackass, I'm 100 times more intelligent on it than they are. Yeah. Um, Do you know
1: what I would love then? If you can look into the report I sent over. I will. And if if you can come back to me and say, here's what – because I read it and I'm like, what? I don't understand most of what they've put in it. But they've clearly put a lot of time and work into it. And if you could come back and tell me why you think otherwise – or you might look at it and go, to be fair. Yeah, some of that seems legit. But, yeah. But the the Agodia one – well, I, I had it's really I, interesting I had
0: a guy look at it and he said it's not a balloon, it's not a bird. I mean, he's basically saying, first of all, it has no signature coming off it at all. Yeah. Now it's just split into two as you said. Yeah. I'm watching it now. Uh, he said I in over five thousand hours of looking so a sensor operator has more expertise at looking through a sensor than mm-hmm. even somebody like Fravor who's out the cockpit most of the time, yeah. right? Line of sight. And his his wizzo in the back has more experience looking through a sensor even than he does, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, although I consider him an expert, almost among experts, until we get to somebody whose job it is only to look at through those sensors and evaluate what they're seeing. That's yeah. all their job. They don't They don't look, there's not even a window for them to look through. They sit sideways on a gunship. There's what they call a mission operator panel. I think they have a different name for it now. Um, With the new gunship, uh, the AC-130J, they sit sideways. The aircraft leans left. So they sit uh, looking left, looking at the left fuselage. But all their panels and screens, they have a bunch of flat screen TVs. They have joysticks. And they each have a sensor, and M- now an MX-20. And basically, their entire job is to target and evaluate targets that they're going to fire on. So these guys have thousands of hours doing nothing but looking through those sensors. And yeah. he, when I showed him Aguadilla a couple of weeks ago, he was he was all over it. He didn't say that's a UFO, uh, obviously, which as you know a lot of people don't want to say that he says i don't know what that is i've never seen anything like that
1: but then i mean what he means is that is a ufo because what he means is he's not saying it's an alien yeah it's not an alien spaceship he's not saying it's what you know but that's something that he can't quite explain and that's the that's the intrigue of the subject
0: my former neighbor from when we were both lived in uh portales new mexico or clovis new mexico if you wish uh when i said we were about a hundred miles from uh from Corona where Mac Brazel's ranch was. So I, I know those archetypes I've, I've re- yeah. met, met those people spending three years there. It was right after the UK. Let me tell you, it was a bummer to move from England to, uh, the desert of New Mexico where there was absolutely nothing, but we did a lot of good work out there. So my neighbor was a gunship sensor and I will, he will be, I'll contact him on LinkedIn. Um, I, cause he works at the base and I work at the base, but I don't know where exactly his office is, but I'll contact him and make sure that he can look at any video or, or report that you want. That's through a sensor and he can tell you what he's looking at, whether it's a Navy or not, you know, even if he's not used that sensor, he's going to look at all the telemetry on that screen and be able to break it down even better than I can. So cool, man. All right. Um, Anything about before we go, Anything that you'd like to say about uh, Mr. Parker uh, and Mr. uh, Travis Fulton? Because Uh, Walton? Yeah, Travis Walton. Thank you. Because um, I thought it was interesting that he said a lot of people, I heard the other night on a show, somebody saying, we don't know if their intentions are violent or not. And I said, actually, I think we kind of do know because they've had many, many chances to attack us. And in fact, Project Blue Book, I think they tried to attack them over DC at one point and and uh, and they've never attacked us. And I think Travis Walton said to Mr. Rogan, if they wanted to do something to us, it'd be over before we knew it. What is your thoughts on that particular topic of whether or not uh they mean us harm
1: in your estimation so i I think i'll bring it back to the the umbrella aspect of this phenomenon because i don't think it's just one day um this isn't a a race of aliens it's it's like you know Mm it's it's like putting you in a prison you know who's going to do you harm Mm mm-hmm the guy in that cell, or the guy in that cell, or that group down there, or that one over there, you, you don't know, they are all got different agendas. And I think that's what we see. There's there's so many different types of craft, and there's so many possibilities that, and that's one of the questions I, I've looked at not long ago in my podcast, and we'll be discussing again more in the future, but even thinking as you start to get more involved in the subject, when you come into it, it's just, are aliens real? Where did they come from? But what about if you've got all these different races or entities that don't, do they know each other exist? You know, when you've got when you've got the Tic Tacs buzzing the pilots right for whatever reason, and you think they might be drones, given what they do, that's that's totally plausible. But what if at the same time you've got uh, a flying saucer with some Greys on board that abducting someone in Backwater Texas? Uh You know, and it's like, do they know each other exist? Do they know what that is? Does that one know what that is? Uh You know, is it the same? That's that's the thing for me. Like even the abduction phenomena that you're talking about with Calvin Parker. I, I interviewed okay. Calvin Parker in my podcast. I say I, I interviewed him, it's one of the, the rare times I didn't really. I just let him on and he told his story. And for me, that that was just, that was good enough. Like Calvin is at an advanced age. Um, he, like like funny when you talked about right back at the start about people not telling their stories. Calvin had the incident happen to him, which I'll let people go back. There's documentaries, books, it's on Amazon Prime, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but Calvin tells the story really well. Check out my podcast where I uh-huh. interviewed him. He tells the story start to finish. Um, he was fishing with a friend when he was very, very young in Pascagoula. Uh, and basically was abducted. Spaceship came overhead, bang, lights went out. Um, later through regression, all that kind of stuff, they remember what happened. He describes the entities, the beings, and um, told them not to panic. You know, there was some experimentation done on them, there was some marks left. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just basically then returned back to the shore. Him and, his, him and his friend very much decided, you know, what do we do about this? They ended up going to the police. It was in the news for a short while, but then it went away. Calvin never really talked about it for a long time. Can I mention
0: something about that? Because you recommend, you recommended a documentary and there was something very interesting in there. Because again, if you're a viewer out here and you're interested in this topic and you want to kind of look for markers that tells whether someone's telling the truth or they're full mm-hmm. of shit there are certain things that you can look for, and one of them was the documentary you pointed out, uh, which was on Amazon Prime. You told me to, to watch on one Friday night, and I did. They're in the police station. They're being recorded in a room together without the police present, and they don't mm-hmm. know they're being recorded.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the right, things
0: yeah. that they say to each other—two different men that had the same experience. Yeah. Why would they make that? They're sitting there talking like oh, my God, can you believe that? This one did that, and I saw that, and I saw this, and this is what they did to me. I mean, they don't people don't make that kind of
1: stuff up, man. No, and the, the thing was, like, Calvin never told that story to his wife, and the reason she found out some 30 or 40 years after the event, and they'd been married for decades, was he was at, a like, a mutual friend's uh, funeral, and he signed the guest book, the Book of Condolences, Calvin Parker, another guest coming up to sign the book, saw his name and approached him and asked him at the funeral, are you the same Calvin Parker that had the abduction back? And he was like, "Um, yeah, that's me. And his wife and the kids, his wife and kids had never heard about this. And they were like, really? And he's like, well, I've just never talked about it. That's when the story came back out. And again, people got in touch you know you should write a book about it for a bit of closure at that point you know the, the the friend who was part of the incident they hadn't been in touch for decades had already passed away, passed away. um and yeah so again calvin is, is a lovely guy you and, can and hear the genuineness when he talks and can you point out how many other people
0: witnessed that same craft by the way that they saw
1: so it, it seems to be each passing year more come out um there's quite a few now even as recently as last year more people have come out to say at that time they did actually see something from different vantage points it was over a, a sort of i want to say a lake um, it was, area, but and there was a bridge right nearby and that's it yeah. yeah there was people on the bridge there was couples parked up in a car you know teenagers you know making out doing whatever they were doing and um, there was people coming back from whatever who all over the years have come out and said actually do you know what yeah i, d- I did see something So the story has been corroborated in a lot of ways. The fascinating part, of course, is the abduction. But Calvin himself will tell you, and you can hear the honesty in his voice, he wish it had never happened. It wasn't a nice experience. He's not necessarily into UFOs. He's not particularly bothered about the subject. He's attended out of, you know, politeness, a few expos and things like that. But he's not touring or doing the circuit. He's not making tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars out of this he's just told his story and and that's that's it
0: which is strikingly similar to travis walton's story strikingly similar
1: yeah travis obviously being a bit younger um travis's story probably has a little bit more detail in it as well in the sense that travis went missing for several days and uh, travis's friends he was out with basically a, a craft very roughly people should go and watch fire in the sky great movie that was made about it there are other documentaries and books and stuff as well but essentially it was out with a couple of friends ufo comes down he approached it touched it and disappeared his friends were borderline about to be charged with his murder and disappearance when he appeared was it five days later um really disorientated and basically claiming that he was taken away um again things like hypnotic regression and whatnot and even if you want to listen to something more modern he was on the joe rogan podcast like you Mm -hmm. said um Late last year, early this year, it's all all no, it was a couple months ago, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's lockdown Mm -hmm. year, everything's the same. (laughs) Uh, People in the future listen to this, yeah, fucking lockdown, yeah, every every day is the same, basically. So, yeah, and he was on that and told his story. Um, and he talks about the whole experience, you know, what they told him. And like you say, he thinks anything, any race of beings or entities, whatever they might be, robots, AI, creatures, US government with technology and experiment on their own people, that's a theory whatever can do that it clearly has technology that could you know wipe us out attack us do whatever they wanted independence day style we don't have will smith to send up and load a virus onto a computer okay <laughs> that's that's unfortunately not going to happen but it's like, like i said back at the start to come full circle it's it's i think it's a lot of different entities and things happening and like has been said before the universe and reality i think is far stranger than we realize and we know and it just, I just want to see it talked about seriously. Well, this I has agree. been serious, but we've had a laugh. I, I enjoy no, having fun. But I, yeah, it's just I, talk definitely. about it. Don't people? People need to have the conversation.
0: Yeah, and I really I really appreciate you coming on. I, I, I have a laugh in everything I do. Uh, I am serious about the topic. Uh, I'm not the most knowledgeable guy out there, but I can look at a set of facts and try to put them together. And while I can come up with the most plausible explanation without coming up with something that's beyond a reasonable doubt. Other yeah. than Commander Fravor, uh, there's very, and, and uh, did you say the Princeton or the Roosevelt, whichever ship it was off of the Jacksonville, uh, with the Ryan, Ryan lieutenant uh, Ryan Graves uh, and company. Yes, yeah, so that was a
1: Nimitz-Princeton yep. incident, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, w- in the absence of that, there isn't a lot out there that's, super conclusive, but I can draw conclusions, uh, or I, I can draw, I can make inferences off of what I saw without yeah. completely discrediting it. And I like that you, you know, you circle back to, hey guys, if you don't want to entertain something that happened 80 years ago, 40 years ago, hey, this stuff happened five years ago, and in the case of uh, Commander Fravor, what are we, 16 years ago now, yeah. with his. So, um, man... I really enjoyed having you on I really appreciate your time and I hope it's we can fun. we can do this again I, you, you know if uh, some stuff comes out uh, you know I'm going to bring you oh wait let me turn my, my okay, new, I got my reggae for you brother man there yeah man yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah when something happens again um, I'll have to uh, get you back on to, is to uh, talk about all these things and if you need anything analyzed militarily, particularly if it's through a sensor, if I can't do it, I will get my guy to do it for you, and I will forward uh, him what you sent me.
2: Okay? I'll come on anytime
0: and talk about anything. More than happy to. Dude, you're the man. I really appreciate it. So, can tell everybody where they can find
1: you, uh, because at that UFO podcast is so dope. Yeah, so you've got the website, thatufopodcast.com. You can find the podcast, Podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever you want to listen to your podcast on. Um, I've got atufouapam or thatufopodcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I've got patreon.com forward slash thatufopodcast. And it's got some extra goodies and stuff on there as well. So, yeah, check it out and say hello. I absolutely love
0: it. I'm not ill the mcgrillin' party, people. Put your hands together. <laughs> Alright, Andy, thank you very much for coming on, brother. And uh, we'll be talking to you online, okay? Cheers, man. Thank you. Alright, cheers, brother. Thank you. Anything, Bye.